beautiful. And what I want to know is what is really good in your life today? I'm Kia, and this is another episode of the Female Veterans Podcast. Today, I have a really talented, beautiful, and interesting person with me. She's really, really, really smart (laughs) and a lot of fun to talk to. So her name is Lisa Ganey. She's an Army veteran. And well, I'm not going to spoil anything. We have a lot of really cool stuff to talk about. Um, I can't wait for you to find out her story and how talented she is and the amazing organizations she's here promoting and she works with. So without further ado, welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me, Kia. Oh, it's a pleasure to meet you and connect with you. It always is such a joy to be with my veteran sisters. So tell me, um, what made you join the military? So I think, you know, just growing up, my parents really appreciated how much the military has done for them. Um, They're both from the Philippines. Uh, My dad was a U.S. citizen uh, through his mom. And so um, he got stationed in the Philippines where he met my mom. Um, And so he was in the Navy. And then um, from there, you know, she was able to get citizenship. And then they had me there. We moved when I was three months old. And then just growing up, I really, you know, appreciate it. I loved moving and traveling. We lived in Japan, Guam, Alaska. And then finally, uh, he retired in Washington. Um, But just growing up, they've always talked about how great the military was, all the benefits, um, especially with education, which they really instilled in me. And so um, doing ROTC program at Seattle U, that was just an easy decision. Wow. So first of all, go Navy. Uh, Are we Navy? (laughs) Yes. And um, second of all, um, I live in Washington, so that's amazing too. That's my home. (laughs) So uh, what was boot camp like for you? So we didn't do boot camp. We did um, have advanced camp our third year um, in college. And for that, you know, you do the basics, you have to do squad sticks, uh, you know, roll around in the dirt, um, go camping or <laughs> pitch a tent. Um, and with that, you know, is really, I did get sick, you know, during the time there and I called home and I broke down crying because, you know, you're sick and vulnerable. And my mom's like, you can, you can just quit and come home. But, you know, just, I was so grateful that, you know, with the ROTC program, um, you know, they're paying for my scholarship. I, you know, I did want to serve and give back to the military. So I was like, no, I, I'll tough it out. I got it. Um, but boot camp, it wasn't bad. It was just 30 days um, after you commission and graduate. Uh, you do go to officer basic course. And then that was down in Texas in San Antonio. And I don't know if you've been, but San Antonio is a good time. Definitely. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> yes. So that was fun. And you know, you just learn um, the basics on, you know, counseling, um, how to be a leader and mentor. And so that that went by pretty fast, about two, two and a half months. But I mean, from there, oh my gosh, I went to Korea as my first duty station. And so that was a shell shock for sure. Um, 
but I was just so close to my family and that's the farthest away I've been from home and gosh I mean I mean I toughed it out and it was supposed to be one year I loved it so much I extended for another year so I obviously was able to adapt and um, had a good time there. Wow that's amazing because so many people um, don't go to like a good base like there you know there's good bases and there's not so good bases and these days Mm -hmm. we've got one of those not so good bases all over the news media um, at Fort Hood so um, it's always I have I was lucky now I went to one of the strictest bases in the Navy I went to Great Lakes because their boot camp is there Mm-hmm. And a lot of the A and C school trainings are there as well. So it was a really strict base. Like there was no like underage drinking, like some bases you can drink at 18. You know, uh-huh. what I mean? there was uh-huh. none of that. There was, oh, wow. you know, we were um, drug tested regularly and oh. they were like really, really strict um, about how everything had to be on that base. So not a lot of people choose that base to go to, yeah. mm-hmm. but um, I, I was lucky in that it was a really great experience. There were lots of women. There was like, you know, um, lots of people coming in and out because of the school. So you got to meet so many really interesting people from all over. It was extraordinarily diverse. And um, I had um, good leadership on that base too. So strict leadership, but good leadership. So um, I think originally there was a a huge drug bust on the base actually. (laughs) That's a little T, Um, this was the 90s. There was a huge Uh cocaine ring busted on the base, right? And then after that, the leadership changed if I remember correctly, and it got Mm -hmm. stricter. It got super strict on that base. So I was there for that transition and um, we felt it, but we acted out a little bit, but we rebelled against the strictness a little bit. But but for the most part, I was lucky because it wasn't a toxic environment and people certainly weren't going missing and ending up dead for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. I mean, sometimes you need that strict leadership, especially if, you know, things are happening, you kind of, you need to lay down the law and, you know, make sure things won't get worse and, you know, unfortunately, we know which base uh, we're talking about. I wasn't there, and I'm glad that, you know, they removed um, the commander in charge because obviously things weren't, weren't improving. Yeah, well, definitely. Um, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, um, our brothers and sisters in arms will be safer there because that's mm-hmm. our number one hope. Yeah. Right? Um, so. Absolutely. Um, tell me more about Korea. So you, so you were ROTC, and oh, mm-hmm. let me back up. Sure. You were ROTC. Did you have uh, a lot of people that you kept in touch with through, from that training, or did you guys all sort of go your separate ways? Um, I do keep in touch with a lot um, of my, the ROTC, the other cadets, and you know, a lot of them stayed. Actually, a lot of them got out. So there's just a, maybe a handful of us that stayed. Um, active duty, um, but I would say all my closest friends I've met through the military, um, and then a lot of my girlfriends are who I met in Korea, and so it's just awesome that, you know, so many different backgrounds, you're talking about diversity, just the military has is so diverse, and I love that, um, and just, you know, just like our country with the diversity, it's just something to celebrate, and um, all my friends, 
yeah, I'm going to get tearful because I haven't seen them in a while, but they are just amazing. They're doing great things. And I'm just so honored that I was able to meet them through the military and to keep in touch and have those strong bonds with them. I feel you. I feel you. It is such a blessing when we can make those connections. I'm still friends with pretty much everybody that I, I kept in touch with. That was my like my inner circle and a few people that I just knew from the base that at mm -hmm. least through Facebook, we yeah. are we're friends or Instagram. We're friends that way. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Um, those connections is like I said, you you can't unless you experienced it, you can't really understand it those bonds, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like even talking or meeting, you find out someone's another veteran. And just meeting you for the first time, I feel like, you know, we have a connection and I know you already. And it's just crazy. Even though you're, you're Navy and I was Army, you get that bond that, like you said, if you haven't served, you don't really understand. So absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. I agree. Like there's, um, what I like to call like that special, that special bond. It doesn't matter what branch you served in, mm -hmm. what year you served in. If you're like, I'm a veteran, male uh -huh. or female, really, there's mm -hmm. just that connection. And it's typically immediate like coolness. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love that. So tell me more about your military experience. But what's active duty like for you? Active duty, um, you know, gosh, looking back, it's like, wow, I did 11 years in that time just flew by. Um, I actually, you know, you mentioned, you know, not the not so great stations, but I was really blessed to um, have gone to places that, you know, I wanted and especially with, you know, loving to travel. I was so I was in Korea for two years. Um, and then there I worked at a hospital as a medical surgical nurse. And then I later transitioned to OB and with labor and delivery. And after two years in Korea, I went to Tripler out in uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. So I was there for three years. And then I got my specialty um, course. Um, I completed that in labor and delivery. So I did that for three years. And then I applied for physician assistant school through the military, through their inner service physician assistant program. And you know, I decided, I already decided like, okay, if I don't get in, I'm just going to get out. You know, I did my four years. I'll go home back to Washington and work as a nurse. Um, but then I got in. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm still in for a couple more years. Um, so I did, the first year is down at the AMED Center of School in San Antonio. And then my second year, the residency portion um, was here in Colorado, which I'm actually at now. And so after that, um, my, ne my next duty station as a PA was in Wiesbaden, Germany. So I was there for um, a couple of months. The unit I was going to, um, we're actually, I knew we we're deploying, which, you know, I wanted to um, deploy and you know, get that experience. And then being, going in as a PA, you already know that you're going to, you know, deploy a lot. You're um, there, you know, in a role one situation where, you know, casualties will go to you first. So you're prepared for that. And so I already knew, and I, you know, felt that I wanted to have that experience. Um, but I did deploy to Afghanistan from Germany. And then we were there for 11 months. And then after that, I moved back to Washington, where um, I did 
two more years. And then after I had my daughter, I decided to, it was a hard decision, but I decided to get out just so I can have more stability for her. And, you know, I knew staying in, I would have deployed more often. And I just wanted to, you know, change the role and, you know, focus on being a mom. I definitely can understand that, but I want to back up a little bit. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I want to ask you about Afghanistan because you mm -hmm. deployed and um, you received casualties first. And I was a hospital mm -hmm. corpsman, and oh, there was wow. a <laughs> there was a time that I was considering going to field med. Um, mm -hmm. I ultimately ended up in the pharmacy, but. I, so I didn't go, but mm -hmm. I will never uh, forget some of the training that I had um, when mm -hmm. I was considering going, right? So tell me, what was it like for you in Afghanistan? I, I also served during peacetime. So I, uh -huh. well, I am actually a combat veteran, but yeah. I came in at the end of Desert Storm. Mm -hmm. So I didn't deploy, right? Yeah. It was actually mm -hmm. wrapping up. But mm -hmm. um I would love to know more about your experience deployed to Afghanistan, what it was like for you. Yeah, and um, so we were in Kabul and I was actually at the headquarters, um, ISAF. It was like a small um, base with NATO there. Um, so that was cool because I got to meet a lot of, um, you know, foreign military, which, you know, I'm still friends with on Facebook that we follow, follow each other. Um, but that experience, um, it was definitely, it was, I, it was an eye-opener to, you know, you appreciate the things you have. Um, you know, often we would go out to, um, I was able to go visit some orphanages there. And so, you know, I mean, even just with the little things with traveling, you know, even that's, you know, dangerous, can be a dangerous situation. And so, um, you know, traveling to and from different bases, um, you just appreciate, you know, being, you miss home and then appreciate, you know, how easy it is. And of course, you know, first world problems. Um, but I think just being in another country and um, it just makes you put into perspective what's so important and also, you know, the good things that we're trying to accomplish there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you see a lot of um, like action out there? Yeah, um, luckily I didn't. Um, again, we were at the headquarters. The closest thing that um, happened was there was um, an IED that exploded near the base. And then we had to react. You know, we did prepare for mass casualties. We had, um, you know, different exercises, um, you know, every month to just be prepared. So we were prepared to receive some, but um, our medics, and actually I was with the Navy mostly, there's two corpsmen with me, but they went out to, um, you know, go assess the situation. And then unfortunately, um, there were two, two individuals, um, Afghans that did not survive it. Um, yeah. But luckily, uh, you know, no one else got injured. And so that was the biggest thing as far as action and um, trauma that I experienced there. So I was fortunate. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's just never gets any easier, you know, and the, this has been going on for so long mm -hmm. that we have so many of our brothers and sisters that are in situations like that or mm -hmm. worse that they're dealing with and then they come home and mm -hmm. have to work through the trauma of the experience because 
I think deploying um, is stressful on so many levels. Like even what you said, traveling is mm-hmm. just a dangerous situation. Right? If you don't, if you're never in that ex- experience. If you're never, if you don't deploy and you never, that becomes a, a fear that you suddenly become aware of. Like mm-hmm. suddenly I'm just going from one base to the next, but I'm in danger that whole way. Uh, did that affect you? Um, I think, you know, I think I was able to, you know, adapt afterwards. I mean, during the time when we're traveling, of course, I'm like on edge. My heart's racing. You know, it's like, oh, we're getting too close to this car on the side or, you know, why are we stopping so long? Um, I think at that time, of course, I was so anxious and um, you know, I kind of think it's silly because so my the hospital we stayed in our hospital and then often there are these loud we're kind of near the entrance and then um, these big trucks would come by and then you know you start to think like oh gosh what if there's you know an ID in there or if something happens um, and then sometimes our hospital would just rumble and shake a little bit um, but so like. I can remember and I still think back to that sometimes but you know I don't think I think it's silly just compared to what other people have gone through but I did it did affect me to a point but you know not as bad as other people and you know definitely um, you know you just gotta find ways to cope and you know get over it but so I do feel lucky that you know it wasn't as bad as other people's experiences who, you know, are still struggling at times, but, you know, thankfully there are resources out there that hopefully they're using. Amen to that. (laughs) Because I'm all about finding resources to help you um, on your healing journey. And you know what? I think right now, a lot of us military, we are um, in our process of managing PTSD and we can help other people now. We are in a unique position to help everybody else going through this COVID situation because uh, coming mm-hmm. out of this, everyone's getting like sort of a collective trauma, as uh-huh. I say. Yeah. And a lot of people are going to have PTSD from this, mm-hmm. believe it oh, or not, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so we're in a unique position to serve again mm-hmm. <laughs> and to help yeah, other people <laughs> to work through oh this is oh you have PTSD these these mm-hmm. are the symptoms you're having oh that's PTSD yeah. you didn't yeah. know that okay this mm-hmm. is some things that can help you right mm-hmm. so um here we go again right we're in a very yeah. very unique position at this time having experienced the things that we've experienced yeah so I have another question for you mm-hmm. about your military experience I would love to know what is your favorite military story from your time in my favorite military story um i would probably be um deploying to afghanistan where we went to an orphanage where it was all females and just you know walking in we came to deliver um some medical supplies and then just the look on their face and they just looked like they were in awe these little girls that you know it looks it seems like they look up to you and just that you know just makes it um makes it so real you know why you're there and just you know reminds you of you know what you're doing and you know why i mean i joined the medical field because i wanted to help others and 
you know, that just made me feel good and just um, remember why I'm doing this. Oh my gosh, that is so sweet. I can just imagine it as you were saying, just like the little faces and the little girls and seeing women in uniform come in with supplies and oh my gosh, that must have been really an incredible experience. Oh yes, and I was for, I was fortunate to have a picture of that and so that one, you know, it's in my album on Facebook and you know, I love when it pops up on my memories because it just, um, you know, just makes things, um, solidifies like why I'm doing, why I'm here, what I'm doing, and just makes everything worth it. Oh, that's amazing. And so I can't ask you what your favorite story is without mm -hmm. asking you what you felt your biggest obstacle was while serving. Yeah, well, um, I want to say while serving, it was actually, I would say probably the biggest obstacle was during ROTC and our advanced camp. You know, I talked about, you know, we do um, squad sticks where we're assigned um, to be like the squad leader and we're given a mission. And, you know, you have all these um, guys who are like gung-ho and want to be infantry so they're like you know looking down at you like you don't know what you're doing and then um, so the better you perform at advanced camp then the more um, likely that you're going to get your top selection for what branch you pick um, as I mean at least in um, army ROTC and then a lot of the guys are like oh you're a nurse you're you already know what you're gonna do so you know this doesn't really count or and it's just like, hey, you know, I know what I'm doing. I studied the same stuff you did. I know how to be a leader. I can lead us through this mission and get it accomplished. And it just reminds me of how far we've come with, um, you know, women serving in combat now. And then the two females um, who completed ranger school. And then uh, there's the National Guard woman who completed um, special forces training. So it's just like in your face, <laughs> you know, women can do it too. And so, you know, unfortunately there still is a lot in the male dominant culture, but you know, I think we're leading the way. Women are the fastest growing um, veterans in uh, military population. And then just the numbers as far as women serving are increasing. So that's great. Absolutely. I think it's really important a lot of the things that you said because we do face a lot of misogyny. I mean, throughout the history of all time of women serving, um, most definitely in the United States military, I'm sure all around the world. And um, the things that we sort of have to deal with to, to prove ourselves, um, I know every single woman veteran listening identifies with having to show the guys that you're not only just as good as them, but even better a lot uh -huh. of times, right? That's Right. So, <laughs> so it's just it's part of sort of the, our experience. That's part of being in. And although uh, it may not be fair, it is what it is. And the funny thing about it is I don't know one woman that has, I have spoken to so far in my life that has ever said, yeah, I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't show them that I was better than them. Not one oh, woman has ever yeah. said, yeah, I, I felt like I had to prove myself to the guys, but I mm -hmm. failed. Not oh, one wait. woman. <laughs> so. Oh no, we're strong. We got this. <laughs> For real well, though. It's funny because even, so last night my husband and I, um, yesterday was POW 
um, Missing in Action Recognition Day. Yes. And so we went to a ceremony over at one of the local VFWs. And then, you know, we were sitting down eating um, after the ceremony. And then uh, the guys were, you know, we were all talking. And then they asked my husband, like, oh, so, you know, how, where did you serve? You know, what, what do you do? And then as when they were talking, I was like, okay, so they'll ask me next. But then I knew, I kind of had a feeling like, I bet they're not going to ask me, you know, were you in or I'm sure they just thought I was the dependent wife and I was right. And they, you know, totally after, you know, he answered, you know, they went to talk about something else and I was like, oh, well, yeah, I'm an 11 year army veteran too. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I was just like, oh, didn't, hasn't really changed, but hopefully it's going to continue to progress for the better. You know it well. You know why? Because we're doing stuff like this. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I'm <laughs> right? so excited to find this podcast. And oh, I'm so blessed and happy that you have me on here. Oh, I'm thrilled that you wanted to be on here. I actually am always thrilled when someone, it never gets old, believe me, when someone says, hey, I want to be on the Female Veterans Podcast. And I'm just always honored. I'm always thrilled. I'm always thrilled when people listen to it and they tell me they've heard it. And oh, it's just awesome. still mind-blowing for me, even after a year. And, um, and I'm going to just keep doing them and keep kicking down doors because the whole point is to show the world that we're here, that yeah. we have stories. And then mm -hmm. our stories matter. And you better recognize. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, okay. So we talked about your military experience a lot. Thank you for sharing mm -hmm. those amazing stories. But I know you said that you got out because you had your daughter and you wanted to give her some stability, which as moms, we will sacrifice a career and a mm -hmm. heartbeat for a baby. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> so so um, what was your transition out of the military like? My transition, you know, wasn't too difficult. I was able, because being, you know, in the medical field um, as a PA, I was able to find um, a job pretty easily. I had one lined up before getting out and, you know, I was kind of surprised, but they actually loved that I was in, that I was in the military because they found that, you know, military, um, those with military experience were very dependable um, you know, just loyal. They, you know, knew their stuff. Don't mess around. And so I was able to transit. I had a fairly easy transition out. Um, it was, you know, kind of a shell shock for a little bit because, you know, you're so used to doing the same thing for how many years with, um, so you get up, do sick call, and then, you know, you see your patients, you go to meetings, and then, and then all of a sudden you're in civilian life and, just, I was working like three days a week and it's like, what do I do with the rest of my time? <laughs> I can just imagine, mm -hmm. my goodness. What uh -huh. do you think was the biggest um, struggle other than figuring out what to do with your time? I think the biggest struggle and you know what I still miss um, to this day, of course, is the camaraderie that you get with um, you know, everyone you work with, I mean, especially the soldiers and, you know, um, as a PA, you work with a lot of medics and just being able to mentor them and train them um, and just see their progress. You know, as a PA, I don't really have um, no one under me, you know, and to help like guide and, um, you know, want to see progress. And so I saw that I did that a lot with uh, the medics I worked with, you know, with trying to get them into PA school or further edu their education. And so that I definitely missed. And then even my friends that are 
still in from ROTC, you know, with them getting promoted and just all the great things that they're doing, you know. So I was telling my husband just last week, I was just like, oh, I miss it. And so that gets tough sometimes. But, you know, of course, being a mama bear and, you know, your children, it, you know, I don't regret anything. But of course, I miss the military. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, definitely. So I'm a little bit different. I could not wait to get out. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't going to be a career girl. It just, mm -hmm. it wasn't in my plan. I wanted to go to college. And uh -huh. in fact, um, I would have preferred to have like a university experience and in some small oh, town yeah. university or whatever, mm -hmm. but it just wasn't in the cards for me. Um, and so I, I, I went off to the Navy to um, the Montgomery GI Bill was relatively new. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I wanted to go to school. So I thought this is how I'm going to get money to go to college. Mm -hmm. And my mom was very much about the military being a firm foundation to start your life with. And she was right. So, okay. mm -hmm. um, so, <laughs> but from the time I went in and I got through those gates of boot camp, I knew that at the end of my five years, my three years in active reserve, that I was going to be done and that was going to be it. And I was going to go to college. And that's pretty much what happened. Check and check. Yes. So, so, but, um, but the thing about it is when I got out and I will tell you, it was like, for me, my day of getting out, I got a letter of appreciation from the command for mm -hmm. the work I did in the pharmacy. Um, I, they threw me a party in the pharmacy. It was, I mean, it was kind of like a graduation day mm -hmm. in a way. And mm -hmm. I was so, so happy because I really felt that like, you know, when you are, most people don't know what it feels like to be property, but we do because <laughs> we're, oh, yeah. we're property of the United States government. And that, that really had an effect on me, you know, sort of belonging to the man, right? So when I got out of like literally belonging to the man, but I, yeah. I, I got out and I was like so happy. I was like, yes, I'm in control of my own life again. I'm about mm -hmm. to do my thing. It's going to be amazing. And do you know what? What? I so missed it. Oh. <laughs> I miss my friends. I, oh. When I went to go work in corporate, mm -hmm. I was like, what is this? Who are yeah. these people? Not to say, like, not all corporations are bad, but it was a very different scene in the 90s than it mm -hmm. is now. Now they got nap pods and cool things going yeah. on oh. in corporations. But back then it was a lot different. And anyway, now or then, it does not have that same camaraderie, that same right. brother and sister. Like, we're, we're all fighting for the same mission. A lot of times mm -hmm. you go to these corporations and it's a doggy dog right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. People are treacherous out there. Right? It's not the same. And I mean, there's good and bad people everywhere, but it's not the same, right? Mm -hmm. It just isn't. And so what I found was within two years of getting out that I, I was so shocked. No one was more shocked than me of how much I missed being in. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. I hear that a lot from like my other friends who have gotten out and, you know, into like the quote real world, but they're just like, oh my gosh, no one has the same, um, what's the word, just drive or, you know, the camaraderie and just not as motivated, I guess. They find that frustrating, actually. Even my husband now is like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Like, once he retires, he's like, I don't know, I'm going to handle that. He's going to have to start his own business. <laughs> That's, which is what a lot of veterans end up doing, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. 
So, um, and then they hire veterans, <laughs> you know, or the other thing is, which I did was I started helping veterans and I didn't even, if I had a thought, I had no concept of like joining an organization, right? Mm -hmm. Back mm -hmm. then, you know, I think somewhere like way later, like 10 years, maybe after I got out of the military, I joined the American Legion for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just like all older men. So it still uh -huh. wasn't quite right. Like it, it fulfilled a need for a little bit, but it still wasn't quite right. And right. so until now, like this last year, um, I've been more affiliated with organizations. But before I would, I call it a grassroots campaign. I was just me coming across veterans and helping them out. Oh, you don't know how to like do this or do that or get your benefits or whatever. Or, you know, so it, it's just always been a passion of mine. And that's actually what really helped me to heal was mm -hmm. to give back to my veteran community in whatever way that I could, you know? So, and I find that the truth with a lot of veterans mm -hmm. and you actually give back. So can, let's talk about how you came upon uh, giving back to the veteran community. Oh yeah, so um, in the past couple months, so I am currently a finalist for Miss Veteran America and their main beneficiary is Final Salute Inc., which helps our homeless women veterans, which, you know, honestly, I didn't even think was such a, you know, a big issue. You know, you see on the streets, it's typically a male holding up a sign saying they're veterans, but um, women veterans are the fastest growing demographic in the homeless population. Yes. And so, you know, because they serve too, they sacrifice so much. Um, this program, Final Salute Inc., um, this organization was developed by um, Army veteran Jazz Booth, who, you know, at one time was unemployed and homeless. And the only uh, resource that they told her to, um, to use was, you know, the state um, resource with welfare. And she's like, how is there no organization to help us women veterans after everything we've done? So, you know, she changed that and so she has this great nonprofit which has three main programs to help give back and just through this um, competition with Miss Veteran America uh, you know the past couple months the goal is to advocate for our female veterans um, they are the invisible homeless because a lot of people you know aren't aware of this issue and you know they're underestimated um, on any given day, there's an estimated 55,000 homeless women veterans and 70% are single moms. And, you know, you and me know how important it is to be a mom and just, you know, to take care of your children. And just, it's just amazing that this organization not only helps the women veterans, but their children as well. And so I've just been trying to fundraise, advocate for them, you know, at the VFWs, doing Facebook lives with some of the other finalists, you know, going on to awesome podcasts like yours and just trying to spread more awareness and, you know, let our female veterans know that they're not forgotten and, you know, we see you and we hear you and we are here for you. Yes. I mean, a thousand percent. So home homelessness amongst female veterans is a hot button issue for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've said this on the show before, but one of the reasons why this podcast exists mm 
-hmm. is because I read an article about female veteran homelessness being on the rise. Mm -hmm. And so my business mentor and I were in Los Angeles and we were talking about it. And she was like, let's, she's so active. She's this um, go get them kind of girl. And she was like, let us go help some female veterans today, right now, where can we go? And I was like, yeah. right now? And she's like, yeah, let's go get some food. Pass my, cause I was like on a tangent about yeah. <laughs> female yeah. veteran homelessness. And she was like, we gotta do something right now. Yeah. So we That's went, awesome. so we ended up calling the vet center and we, we got a meeting with the outreach coordinator, Sharon. She's lovely from the Culver City Vet Center. And she gave us a meeting with her and the next day, and she told me something that I will never forget. She told me this. She said, it's really nice that you want to go pass out food because we're like, you know, where can we go? Can you tell us yeah. where are there like enclaves of women veterans where they're all together where we could just go, you know? And she was like, if you really want to help these female veterans, she's like, it's really nice, but the perception of the veteran is still a man. And mm -hmm. she's like, so if you want to help them, give them a voice. Let mm -hmm. the public know that there are women veterans out here. She said, because when we go to do our outreach work, we don't have shoes and coats and boots for them. They have to take what's left after the men. And girl, let me tell you what I about broke down because I don't believe that anybody that served their country should not, should deploy and then come back home, come home and not at least have their basic needs met. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How can you tell me in a city big as Los Angeles with the homelessness problem the way that they do, that no one's helping women veterans? No one mm -hmm. thinks of women veterans? So, I mean, I would say about four months later, the Female Veterans Podcast was born. Oh, that's amazing. Well, mm -hmm. you are doing great work. But no, like you said, um, you know, the a lot of the shelters are, um, you know, focused or geared towards men. And, you know, most of these women who are homeless, um, they don't feel comfortable or safe in that environment. And a lot of shelters, actually, there's age restrictions for um, your children. So you would, you know, you can go in the shelter, but your kids can't. And so who, what mom would leave their kid like um, that? That's why they're unaccounted for and underestimated. And so we just need to keep advocating, keep doing great things like you're, you're doing. Like you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. So tell me more about um, the pageant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they don't like the word pageant just because it's so much more than that. Um, they prefer competition and with Ooh. the competition. So it's narrowed down. Now we have 25 finalists. Um, there are some things. There's like an evening gown and a talent portion. But just with the competition, um, there's a push-up competition. Um, there's um, advocacy with, you know, how much we're doing um, to advocate for our homeless female veterans. And then as well as the final interview, we have to go over military history, specifically women in military history. And so it's just so much more um, than a pageant. And, you know, the past couple months, we've all been trying to raise funding as well as awareness for our homeless 
uh, female veterans. So, you know, even though it is a competition amongst this 25 finalists, you know, we're all for the same cause, one goal. And, you know, regardless of uh, how far I get in the competition, this is a nonprofit that I believe in and that I will continue to support. That's amazing. And you're right. That sounds like a lot more than a pageant. Push-ups? <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, I haven't done two minutes of push-ups since, since 2015. Really? But that is, um, that that sounds like a competition that, mm -hmm. you know, a female veteran could get behind. Uh -huh. yes. <laughs> so definitely for spreading awareness for homelessness amongst our female veterans, because, you know, the suicide rate is elevating too. It's raising mm -hmm. so fast that, mm -hmm. um, it's it's unbelievable and when we have our sisters in their most vulnerable state of course then you're going to see the suicide rate rise as well so mm -hmm. i applaud you and i mm -hmm. applaud everything that you and the finalists are doing to bring awareness to mm -hmm. our homeless female veteran sisters and to help to get them off the streets because i mean this is this is the kind of work that needs to happen yeah. and um, it's so, so, so necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so. thank you. I appreciate that. So I just have a couple of more questions for you. Sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now tell me, please, if I were to ask you for some advice mm -hmm. for female veterans coming up behind you, what mm -hmm. would that be? You know, I think, especially with what I've learned um, this past year, just, you know, this past year with COVID and, you know, just makes you appreciate what you have and um, just, you know, and this competition with um, these other finalists, you know, it's, even though we're competing, it's important to just empower one another, especially our women veterans, um, you know, in the nurse, nurse corps, you hear about, you know, nurses, the uh, um, nurses eating their young and it's like you sh it shouldn't be that way you need to help each other thrive and just to empower us inspire us to build our self-esteem and I think that's just so important especially with the younger soldiers both male and female you know that's gonna help them stand up for what they believe in um, you know to call out what's right or wrong um, especially with you know the military sexual trauma going on um, you know, it's going to be great if the I am Vanessa Guillen bill passes yes, and then yeah. a third party is going to be able to um, do the investigation without uh, the soldier or service member, you know, feeling any repercussion. And so, I mean, and even my kids, you know, I just want them to be able to stand up for what they believe in, you know, do what's right. And then, of course, help others. And so I just hope that they see that and that, you know, that's my advice for others too. You know, don't worry so much about competing with another or don't put other people down. You're going to have to help bring them up in support of your one. Oh, I love that advice. <laughs> it's so necessary to, I mean, for example, what you said about the competition that you have with these other 25 finalists to win this title like supporting each other and helping each other along the way that's really beautiful you don't see that um very often you know um and it's important to spread the message that it's not necessary to tear people down just exactly. help build each other up and then we all rise up right yes so that's amazing such great advice 
Thank you so much for it. And mm -hmm. so now tell us, when will we find out the results of the competition? Okay, so it's definitely coming up. October 9th is our final interview. And then October 11th is um, the night of the competition. And it's actual actually a virtual platform this year because of COVID. Mm -hmm. We were all supposed to uh, meet down in Orlando. And so they're doing it virtually. Um, people are going to be able to tune in. So that's the blessing where more people can watch, you know, watch it live and see what happens. And so October 11th is the final date. This is the ninth annual Miss Veteran America competition. And so it's exciting and of course nerve wracking at the same time. But um, yeah, it's awesome. It's been such a great experience. I mean, especially um, just with reaching out to other people. It is difficult with COVID these days with a lot of events being canceled and you know not being able to go to certain places but just spreading awareness when talking to people especially other veterans who you know who also didn't know how big of an issue this was and so it's just great and I'm so excited my family's so supportive and I love them for that that's amazing they must be so proud of you oh I hope so <laughs> Well, I'm proud of you for oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, you're awesome. <laughs> and I'm so glad that you were able to come and spend time and um, share your story and speak openly and candidly about female veteran homelessness and what you're doing to help um, remedy that problem. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Oh, and you. so will you tell us where we can find you and if we can donate, where do we go to do that? Oh, yes, that'd be awesome. So it's great because $25 is all it takes to provide one day of housing, counseling, food, shelter, um, on-site case management, and even child care. But every bit counts, you know, a dollar or whatever you can donate or even just spread the word um, is much appreciated. You can find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Lisa G for MVA 2020. Or on Twitter, it's at G4Lisa, L-I-Z-A. Excellent. Mm -hmm. And so we could go to your Facebook if we want to donate? Uh, yep, absolutely. The um, donation button's pinned at the top. Excellent. Well, I just want to thank you again for sharing your story and for enlightening us even more about female veteran homelessness and just being amazing and awesome and just everything that you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you again for having me. You're amazing and I can't wait. I want you I want to see you for the competition next year. <laughs> I don't know about that, but maybe who knows? You never know. You never know. Stranger things have happened. I mean, we're yes. in the era of COVID. Crazy. So <laughs> anything anything can happen. Exactly. I don't know what I'll be doing in 2021, but <laughs> I'm not ruling anything out at this yeah. point. Uh, so again, my dear, thank you so much for being on the Female Veterans Podcast. You're so appreciated. Oh. And with that, we're gonna wrap this up. I wanna say thank you to everyone who continues to support my show. And I wanna tell you that I have just joined the board of a not-for-profit called Hope for Veterans. And um, if you wanna find out more about it, uh, check out my Female Veterans 
podcast Instagram page. Um, I will be posting more information about where you can go to donate to that organization. Um, and if you are a female veteran who needs help and you live in Florida, this organization um, works particularly for female veterans in Florida. But if you want to donate, you can donate from anywhere around the country um, to help these female veterans out. And um, it's such a great organization. They do such good work for female veterans and they're growing. And I'm so honored to have been asked to be on the board. So please check that out if you have time for that. And um, I love you guys and I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. I'll talk to you next time.